on This Week in History. And it's on This Week in History with Professor Paul. Now, I've got to have a bit of a brag moment here, because this is... I, I don't think anyone else in the UK would have done this. I watched Richard Osman's uh, House of Cards, whatever it's called, mm. right? And there were two questions in a row, right? And one was, what year did King Canute become King of England? And I said, 1016. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? And it was 1016. Ooh, yep. And then go. the next question was, when was the first football international? Paul says, 1872. Mm. And it was 1872. Nice. Your, and your th- ability to remember numbers. And I just sat there and I said to Lisa, nobody else in the country would have got those two questions right. <laughs> no, I reckon they would. Well, no, of course, all the people, out, you know, some of them are guessing like 690 BC and all this, you know. Yeah, that's uh, just shocking, that, yeah. isn't it? Anyway, so um, just to show, yes, uh, Mr. Professor Paul does know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so on a very relevant theme, uh, the first fact today is in 1472, Calamon like this, uh, Orkney and Shetland were... Uh, left by Norway to Scotland as part of a dowry payment. Oh, so right. I'm not entirely sure who got married, but uh, that's customary in those days. So it's obviously um, up until that moment, uh, Orkney and Shetland were part of Norway. Yeah, and even today they have they celebrate their Viking culture. Yeah. Uh, very famous uh, rituals were burning of the Viking yep. ship, etc., etc. I always think it would be a very interesting place to live, both the Orkneys or Shetlands. I think Callum and I would both love uh, both the islands, personally. Yeah, I do too. Moving on, um, something I remember as a child, uh, it was all brought up, uh, where history was much more taught in those days. In 1478, George, the Duke of Clarence, was convicted of treason against his brother Edward IV. Uh, and he was uh, privately executed in the tower. And it's gone down in history. He was drowned in a butt of Malmsey. Oh. Malmsey? Malmsey, that? which is like uh, sweet wine, you know? Mm. Well, that's, that's a pretty good way to get drowned. Right? <laughs> so I remember. <laughs> that's I, I, gulping I've known yeah. that for since I was about eight years old. It's one of those things. You, you either know or you don't. So, <laughs> yeah. You know. 1547, we, I think we touched on this uh, last week. Um, the boy king, Edward VI, was crowned after the death of his father, the very nasty Henry, Henry VIII. VIII. But unfortunately, Edward VI's reign only lasted six years, and of course that led to the terrible nine-day reign of Lady Jane Grey, and then the awful, probably the worst queen in history, Queen Mary, mm. who of course also, uh, apart from the persecution she carried out, uh, was also responsible for the loss of the last English possession in France being Calais. God damn you, Mary. Yeah, God damn you. What, what sort of Fothering woman? Fothering gay. What sort of woman are you, honestly? Um, to Fothering gay with you. In 1510, uh, Portuguese, uh, a Portuguese guy called Alfonso de Albuquerque, uh, he conquered the city of Goa. Hmm. So we all know where Goa is. India. India. So this led to that part of India being under Portuguese influence for... Nearly 500 years. Mm. So even no, now... I didn't know that. Yes, even now, if you go to Goa, their, their, their curries and everything are Portuguese sort of inspired. Really? Yeah. Mm. So, um, that yeah. sounds like I like that. I, was, I, I mean, love Indian and I love Portuguese. So. Yeah. Um, so this is a, a, a town which um, I've started travelling to uh, fairly frequently. Um, uh, Great Torrington, which is in North Devon. Uh, and in 1646, there was the Battle of Great Torrington. which was the last major battle of the English Civil War. Hmm. Um, As a generalisation, the South West was a royalist area, but Taunton, for instance, wasn't. Hmm. Taunton was uh, a roundhead town. Bridgewater was very much a royalist town. Hmm. Uh, The reason why the Bridgewater Castle no longer exists is because the roundheads destroyed it. Hmm. Yeah, honestly. You just get so educated here, don't you? (laughs) Um, 
and now I've got to I've got to follow. Um, I've actually sat down last night and I tried to cross-reference things. So um, something you know, we're talking a lot about uh, the the preeminence of the Dutch in terms of. Uh, particularly their uh, military and uh, naval capability, particularly naval cap- capability. Probably uh, the admiral who is most most known to me is, a tr- is a, an admiral called uh, von Trump. Uh, we talked before about von Trump's uh, Dutch Navy sailing up the Thames, but this is very relevant. And I, I'm, I, Callum, Drew, you've got to pay attention now. We're going to. F- I'm actually going to find something you know something about. Right, I promise you this. Right. So this is a great, great moment for Bridgewater. So in 1653, the fleet of the Dutch under von Trump was soundly defeated off Portsmouth mm. by the English Navy under the command of Admiral Blake. Mm. Oh, wow. And who was Admiral Blake? Mr. Man standing in the statue yeah, in the middle of Bridgewater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is there a statue of Admiral Blake in Bridgewater? Because he comes from Bridgewater. He does. Mm. Oh, my There's God. There's also a fish awesome. shop in town called Admiral Blake Fish Bar. It is. <laughs> yeah, I must admit, I have been to the Admiral Blake Fish Bar. Uh, a lot of times, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, although I don't consider it to be the best. Anyway, so Admiral Blake, <laughs> undoubtedly the greatest Bridgewater person of all time, other than me. On um, this week in history, in 1861, uh, Confederate President Jefferson Davis was inaugurated in Alabama. Um, uh, you know, for leaving leaving out ideological reasons, largely which are uh, have been uh, murkied over history anyway, because. Uh, the Union were not uh, particularly anti-slavery or anything. It's just mm. a convenient thing. Yeah, sure. I've always been on the side of the Confederates. I just I love uh, the uniform. Uh, when I was a little boy, I had uh, soldiers uh, all dressed. Up. I love to love the cav- cavalry men. Mm. I used to have a brilliant uh, general on a white horse in Confederate. Mm. Uh, so I've always loved them. I just think uh, something romantic. If that doesn't sound silly, something no, romantic no, no. about the Confederacy. Um, and they had the the great one of the greatest generals of all time. Um, in Robert E. Lee mm-hmm. um, and a wonderful uh, president in Jefferson Davis. Um, so, moving on. Um, in 1861, this is a subject that I studied at uh, college uh, and I know quite a lot about. And this is uh, uh, effectively the, the, the period in the 1800s which actually led to the unification of Italy, uh, which was really only possible because of the work of Garibaldi. Um, and some of you may know that there is now a biscuit called Garibaldi, which is a fig biscuit, which my mum mm-hmm. and dad used to eat every Saturday morning in their bed. Um, and uh, Garibaldi is famous for black shirts. I don't mm-hmm. know that. So his his followers all wore black shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 1861, King Vittorio, as he was actually in, Ita- in Italian, Vittorio Emmanuel became the king of Italy, having previously been the king of Sardinia. Hmm. Um, so uh, he was asked to be the king. Um, I have to say... Italy molto bene. We love you. You are beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You are right up there. I love you, Italy. We love you, Italy. We love you very much. I think there's like a bit of respect as well. I don't know if you think of it like this, but because we had the British Empire and Italy (laughs) had the Roman Empire, you sort of feel like that camaraderie. Like you both had such a big impact on the world. You know, you Mm. had that mutual respect sort of thing. In 1872, uh, the Heydrich, Heydrich even, not the Heydrich, because that sounds like a German, that would be like a German elevator, (laughs) in which case, it would never halt! (laughs) (laughs) 
the hydraulic. Sorry about Oat. that. For those of you who needed to be woken up, God, I've just woken you up. I thought it was in 1942. The hydraulic so. electric elevator was patented by Cyrus Baldwin. Mm. Yeah, who wasn't? Any, any relation of Alex? He was never ever <laughs> seen in Coronation Street. Yeah. It, this, this is a bit of a sad one for us drinkers. Um, 1881, Kansas became the first state Kansas. to prohibit all alcoholic beverages. Uh, There's a reason yeah. why we've never, none of our ancestors have ever lived there, <laughs> haven't they? Hey. Oh, yeah, that's for true. Um, now, in 1901, now this is a subject that I might now have to cancel the rest of my show. In 1901, Winston Churchill made his maiden speech in Parliament. And I can do it. Go on. He went to his. He went to the bench. His mother begged him not to make this speech. Winston, no. Twenty years. That's exactly right. So I'm doing Twenty years earlier, his time. father, Lord Randolph oh, Churchill, yeah. I know this. who was at the time was dying of syphilis and uh, got very confused when he was talking, had been one of the great men of politics, um, and basically uh, he he apart from the fact obviously he was very ill, he he met his demise because. He basically opposed uh, the Prime Minister, who was Lord Salisbury, Lord Salisbury's expansionist militarist policy, uh, and he basically um, he, he basically advocated prudence and wise spending. Uh, Winston Churchill stood up and he said, "I pick up this tattered flag I found lying here." Hmm. Uh, these words of my father, Lord Randolph Churchill, were issued twenty years ago, and he opposed Lord Salisbury and. It brought about his downfall. But wise words stand the <laughs> test of time, and, and those, those were wise words. words. <laughs> oh, how brilliant is that? It's just so good. I tell you what, Churchill had such a nice way, of, like very poetic way of speaking, didn't he? The way he said, like, I picked up this tattered flag and that, that's such nice mm. like, imagery. Well, yeah, I just think so. Anyway, uh, 1922, uh, Lithuania agreed to separate from Poland. Um, one of the things we talked about in previous uh, on this week's histories is going back into medieval times. Poland was obviously a much bigger country even than now, mm. of significant influence, uh, massively connected to places like Sweden and Scandinavia. So, what what, um, what year did Lithuania break away from? Nineteen twenty-two. Right. Okay. Why was that then? Well, because they want to be separate, like everyone does. So okay. they're not really, um, you know, racially, whatever. Anyway, so lots to get in today. Um, so in 1930, really interesting this. I love this, uh, what should be a planet. Uh, 1930, Clyde Tombow discovered Pluto. Um, now, of course, all through my life until about, whatever it was, six or seven years ago, Pluto was considered to be a planet. And then it was downgraded to um, basically a dwarf planet, a dwarf, um, and, and and put into the same category as uh, as as bodies such as Ceres hmm. uh, and um, uh, Eris, for instance. Um, actually, if you study Pluto, which I have started to now, uh, taken up astronomy again quite a lot, um, Pluto is actually an incredibly fascinating object. And has moons, for instance. Do you know that, Callum? I actually didn't yeah. know that. Pluto had it has its own moons, and it has water on it. On this week in history, in 1938, uh, the Foreign Secretary Anthony Eden, who went on, of course, to be the Prime Minister, um, and uh, unfortunately for him, um, is forever associated with the Suez Crisis, which probably uh, was the single event which probably defined Britain's final fall from being a major superpower. Um, in 1956 or 8 I can't remember now mm. um, anyway so Anthony a uh, great man conservative he resigned what do you think he resigned Callum 1938 have a think about it what's what going on in 1938 what do you do with the Nazi party 
he resigned because in opposition to Chamberlain's appeasement policy. Ah, well, good on him. Yeah, absolutely. And he he, he went on to become uh, the second or third most important person in Churchill's mm. wartime government. Um, so uh, quite a, he's actually quite a posh bloke, but then, you know, most politicians are quite posh, including Boris, of course. Um, a real, real one. This is this will get Callum going. In 1942, we have the Banker Island Massacre. Uh, Japanese, absolute terrible people, machine gunned, machine gunned 22 Australian army nurses and 60 no. Australian and British soldiers and crew members from two sunken ships to death. They were ruthless. In cold blood, weren't they? Cold mm. blood. They were absolutely so, ruthless. But absolutely awful. Um, 1947. Um, Errol Mountbatten, who was the Queen's uncle, I think, and godfather, I think, if I remember rightly. Um, one of the reasons Mountbatten has a place in my heart is I used to have, which, which Callum has been to, used to have a cottage in White Parish, and uh, the nearest town to White Parish was Romsey, and Mountbatten's house is just as you go into Romsey on the oh, right. Oh, right. Um, so I used to see it. Like, I, think, you know, I think he might have been Prince Charles's godfather as well. It may, may well have been. He was a... Um, obviously, he was um, assassinated by the, the IRA. Uh, the IRA. Um, yes, what can we say? Um, 1959, very interesting. Britain, Turkey and Greece uh, sign uh, an agreement which granted Cyprus independence. So as we discussed, we, we all like Cyprus. Mm -hmm. Cyprus is very much like a cross between um, Greece and England, I think. Hmm. Um, 1965, another interesting one. Uh, the Gambia becomes independent from the UK. So a lot of people probably wouldn't even know that. So huh. probably, I don't know, a third of Africa was British. So slowly over from about 1962 to 67, um, the countries became independent, mm. I guess. You know, it's probably a good way of putting it. Um, in well, sad, sad day. This I can remember as a 12-year-old as a being rather uh, appalled at this. So 1972, Britain joined the European Common Market. Uh, basically on the basis of a lie. Um, so we were told that... Uh, well, I wasn't, because I was only 12. <laughs> the, people, the people were told that it was basically, you know, we're just entering this great trading agreement, you know, and it was yeah. good for business. And, of course, it wasn't because, as we see, um, uh, the European project is something rather more sinister. Mm. 1979, snow falls in the Sahara Desert. Wow, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, you do know. Well, I do know, yeah. <laughs> That's the purpose of On This Week in History, Cameron. I guess so. Yes. And finally, I'm quite proud of this, because I think I've got rid of 23 facts today, and it's not easy, you know, in the mm. tight schedule that my producer, Mr. Armstrong, gives me. Um, so, Callum, again, will love this one. In 2016, the oldest known case of uh, human Neanderthal sex. <laughs> uh, sorry, <laughs> sex, yeah. Um, where um, obviously the the two the two the Homo yeah, sapiens yeah. Uh, Homo Homo species we do know that interbreeding uh, happened between. bred with Neanderthal. Um, so this is a hundred thousand years ago, um, and we have the remains of um, uh, Neanderthal woman who uh, showed signs of Homo sapiens DNA. Yeah, they think that most Caucasian mm. people have up to four percent Neanderthal DNA. Yeah, I think Drew's probably got about 15%. Um, ooh. <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. Anyway, so I hope you enjoyed On This Week in History today. 23 facts brought to you, like clockwork, by Professor Wade. Aspen Wade Radio Podcasts. Educate. Entertain. Enjoy.